Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. Where this is a little different than we normally do if you're new. If you came to church going, man, I, I'm feeling kind of down. I need a little pep, you know, feel good about myself. Like, this is not the day. Um, <laughs> so, but, but it's filled with hope. It's filled with hope. So I, I want to give that little warning to you today. Uh, we are continuing our series actually in neighboring. And we're, 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 we're stretching it a little bit further today. It's the beginning of the year. If you've been with us, you're new, you don't know. But we started a series called Neighboring, and really kind of a, a yearly theme that we really want to, what, what would happen if we actually obeyed the commands of Jesus, who says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. What if we actually did that literally and seriously? And so we, we said, we're not going to just do this as a little teaching series and beginning year. We're going to actually keep this theme alive throughout the years, a reminder. Yes, last week we did a little refresher about, hey, neighboring, remember that? We talked about that. What can we continue to do about that and do some do some practical things right in the heart of our community, right in our neighborhood? So if you weren't here last week and listen to that, but we're talking about here, right where we're at, but also there's some neighboring out there. And what we do here matters out there. It matters what we do in, in Whatcom County and to the rest of the world. And so we're going there today and we're going in and hitting a pretty sensitive topic. And so be ready for that, pretty hard hitting. So be ready for that, be prepared. And so as we do that, I want to introduce you to a couple friends. One's a new friend, one's an old friend. Josh, you're not, as I mentioned last service, you're younger than me, but we're old friends. We've known each other for about almost 15 years. But I'm going to introduce first Aaron Newcomb. Aaron is our uh, person that we've been connecting with. In fact, he's the director of Engedi Refuge, and it is actually a ministry partner, community ministry partner, where we just newly adopted as part of what we're doing, supporting works outside of our own church. And so Aaron's going to come and share the ministry, incredible ministry, that effective ministry that we're doing right here in Whatcom County. And then Josh... Pereira is going to come, and he's the director of Men of Dignity, uh, and so I'm so excited to have these guys be with us today. Aaron, come on up. Let's welcome them as they come. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, church. It's an honor to be here. Um, it's really weird to be introduced that way. You know, like, look out, everybody. Get the kids out of the room. Here comes Aaron. He's going to talk about sex. I don't know how that ever happened to me. So I'm not going to unpack my story today, but I, I am glad to be here just to shock all of you. Um, it's really an honor to be considered as a partner with Christ the King North Bay. We are bringing the kingdom of Christ to hurting and vulnerable people. I'm going to explain why and how. Uh, in Christ, we truly help women to experience healing, redemption, and change. And that's our tagline, as you can see up there on the screen that we're healing the past, redeeming the present, and we're actually changing the future for people. And we do that in Christ. Um, and Getty Refuge is located right here in Whatcom County. We've been open for about five years, just for your information. And I'm going to tell you about who we, who we minister to and how we do that. And Getty Refuge is helping victims of sex trafficking. I don't know if you've heard about that, but many of us do not actually know what that is or how often that happens. 
So let me read the definition. Sex trafficking occurs when someone uses force or fraud or coercion to cause any person to commit a commercial sex act or causes a minor to commit a sex act at all. That is the basic uh, definition. In our society, people are forced to sell their bodies for sex under the threat of physical harm or under psychological enslavement or some form of coercion. This is happening to hundreds of thousands of women and girls all across the United States every single year. To give you a sense of how prevalent this is where we live, Seattle's prosecuting attorney, Val Ritchie, estimates that 40,000 men are seeking to purchase someone for sex in King County alone every single day. And at the same time, 3,500 women and girls are being sold for sex in King County every single day. That translates here locally as a population to over 4,000 people seeking to purchase someone for sex every single day. I'm going to just estimate that is lower, although Val Ritchie is saying in the outlying counties, like in our rural county, that uh, sex traffickers are targeting and, and it's growing in the rural counties because they're getting so much heat in the inner city because they have uh, more resources in law enforcement. So there is a translation to our community that is staggering. About 500 of those are minors. In fact, I'm going to unpack that for just a second as I go to the next slide. The average age of a girl entering into prostitution or sex trafficking is 12 to 13 years of age. These are 7th and 8th grade girls. Do you have any 7th or 8th grade girls? Do you know any 7th or 8th grade girls? Do you realize just how vulnerable they are at that age? On average, they are forced to perform sex acts on men 10 to 15 times a day. Just let that sink in for a microsecond. The damage that they sustain to their bodies and souls is difficult to imagine and understand, but they are in desperate need of safety and help. By the time they're adults and seeking help, they may have been sexually abused somewhere around 20,000 times. As a result, they experience what psychologists call complex trauma to the degree of state-sponsored torture. And Getty Refuge provides restorative aftercare for these victims. The women that we have worked with over the last several years tell us about how desperate they feel in prostitution and how rejected and abused they actually are. They usually have no idea that there are people ready to help them. The whole ministry programs and safe houses available to them, like in Getty Refuge. There are not many, but there are some, and we're here in Whatcom County to serve them. They're continually amazed by the provisions and love offered by Christ's followers. It's very moving for them. Now, I want to talk about how, how we do what we do. And Getty uses a two-part ministry model that these um, that helps these victims become survivors, and the survivors become overcomers. And it's really simple. There's housing, and there's program. And those are provided in two different locations. And there's a lot of reasons why I'm not going to go into. But we have three houses to keep them physically safe and to give them the rest that they need to heal. We also have a learning center and a counseling center um, where they engage their program all week long, so we keep them engaged in very... Uh, mentally and, and, and emotionally engaging stuff, socially engaging things that help them um, to heal. The program has uh, many therapeutic components that help them face their trauma, and it's sp specifically focused on that trauma that they've endured. 
The education they receive in our program teaches life skills and unpacks some of their unique challenges, such as addictive behaviors and toxic relationships. Everything touches something tangible in their life that they need help with. We also offer lots of personal support from our staff and volunteers that make up a community of people that are accepting and empathetic, ministering to their hearts, and helping them to trust and to rebuild the capacity for trust. Now, I want to unpack for you why. Why do we do this? Jesus made his mission and purpose abundantly clear. And we are simply an extension of who he is. He quoted Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 1 to declare his mission, which involves good news to the poor, comfort to the brokenhearted, freedom for captives, and release for the oppressed. Sex trafficking victims fall into all these categories. And Jesus said that's specifically and uh, dynamically who he is going after. In fact, in Luke chapter 19, Jesus said that he actually came to seek and to save the lost. For us, this means that like him, we have to take initiative in reaching out to those who are vulnerable. And in Getty Refuge does just that. But we have to get out of our comfort zone to go find them. Sometimes that is our neighbor. And speaking of neighbor, I know you guys have been talking about this, but in Luke chapter 10, the story of the Good Samaritan, Jesus uh, tells that story, and he says plainly in that, um, in that story, he says, my neighbor is the one that is naked, beaten, and abandoned within my sphere of influence. Like, that's a really weird thing for him to say. Like, he could have said, well, your neighbor's the one you live next to, is the person in your family or whatnot, but he, he tells this story with, with that incredible detail about, you know, you know what it's like? And he's telling this to a religious guy who said, you know, really, I mean, who is my neighbor? He says, it's the one who is naked, beaten, and abandoned that you nearly tripped over on your way to do something more important. That's your neighbor. And the Samaritan went and healed his wounds. That's what I want you to do. You know, I used to ignore and judge in my heart prostituted women and people involved in sex trafficking or sexual exploitation. Now it's my mission to love them because Jesus finally got a hold of my heart. And this was a long way into my journey with him. I'll tell you what, God is changing lives at Engedi Refuge and we get a front row seat on transformation. This slide shows me baptizing um, one of our residents and it's incredible. It's an incredible privilege really to walk alongside our, our residents, our ladies, encouraging them in their journey and introducing them to Christ Jesus whenever they're ready. We don't force it on them. It's not a, a coercive thing at all, but we love them in a very practical way. And we tell them about the love of Christ. And when they're ready to commit their life to him, we're there for that as well. This lady has a really special place in my heart. Um, I want to read to you um, a portion of a testimony of one of our other ladies that has, has come to our to Engedi Refuge. She says, when I came to Engedi, I was broken, hopeless, and faithless. Words cannot describe the pain I was in for so many years. I went through several phases of pain and eventually felt dead. I was numb and couldn't even cry anymore. I was angry with humanity, with life, with God, and most of all myself. When I was in the life, that's what they call it, the life, I felt like a million shattered pieces, brokenhearted. I fooled myself into thinking I had a glamorous life, but the reality is there was only darkness and dark, sadistic people. It hurt more than I can imagine 
more than I can begin to explain with simple words. I would look at normal people in public and just cry to myself, longing to be healthy. I felt worthless, and my self-hatred was so immense, I couldn't even look at myself in the eye in the mirror. I would barely glance in the mirror and tell myself how ugly and worthless of a person I am. Even for the first few months at Engedi, I truly felt I didn't deserve the gift that was being given to me. I could define grace by Webster's definition, but I did not truly understand what grace in the biblical sense was. The magic really started beginning for me around three months in. I started to feel conviction, a conviction not of me. And God started to speak to me about faith. I always thought that I was an atheist. And now I realized I was truly just angry with God. Through the program at Engedi, I had been surrounded by love and compassion. And this love and compassion, paired with educational classes, transformed me. I always scoffed with cynicism at people, hopeful people bursting with enthusiasm and faith. And now that's me, and I can't imagine being any other way. Through Engedi's model of grace, I have been able to truly understand what God's grace is. That's from a lady who is totally transformed. It's just awesome to hear it in their words. And folks, I want to close with this. You know, as a church partner, um, Christ the King North Bay will be showing the love of Jesus to some of the most desperate and oppressed women in our society. And they really are all around if we just open our eyes and look. You have an opportunity to get personally involved at a level that will inspire your faith and it will challenge your comfort zone. I mean, if we had time to tell my story, you, you just have no idea how outside of my comfort zone I am in this ministry and how absolutely blessed I am to be able to touch somebody's life with a love, the love of God that is way bigger than me. You have that opportunity as well. So join me at the booth um, at the end of the service, and I would love to talk to you about that. There's lots of literature to take, and I look forward to meeting you. Um, you know, you have an opportunity to do something in Christ that only you can do in Christ, and that's to pray, to give, and to serve with the power of God that is in you. No one else has that power but you. Josh? Morning, church. Daniel, thank you for the opportunity, brother. Joshua Pereira, I'm the executive director of Men of Dignity. Uh, I'm throwing down, so, so put your seatbelts on. I uh, get to work with Aaron as associate development director doing aftercare with the prostituted victims. And so Men of Dignity goes after the men, and Getty takes care of the girls. Okay? Men of Dignity exists to equip and implore men to intentionally pursue a lifestyle of holiness. This is what we do. We go after the men to get them to love Jesus first. Ladies, I am talking to you as well. Don't think I'm leaving you out, but this is more about the men of God living as the men of God, okay? We exist to support the church. We exist to support businesses and individuals and primarily getting the men of God to live as the men of God. Men of Dignity has two components, really. Saints and abolitionists is kind of the, the subtitle of it, if you will. Saints, Jesus has to be first in the life of men. That's what it means to be a saint. It means to have Jesus being the absolute first. We're pursuing him. We're dying to ourselves. We're choosing Jesus over sin every day. That's what it means to be a saint. The second part is to be an abolitionist. Abolitionist means to abolish. We're trying to eradicate sex trafficking, prostitution, and rape. Okay, that's what we're trying to do as saints. But if you've ever flown on a plane, 
You've heard them say, put your oxygen mask on before assisting others, correct? So that's what we have to do as men. We have to put our oxygen masks on. We have to go be saints so that we can go help these ladies not get raped 10 to 15 times a day. It starts with pornography. So that's what I'm going to focus on for a little bit. Who doesn't want to talk about pornography on a Sunday morning, huh? Let's do this. Have you ever said this? Have you ever thought this? Have you ever heard this? I don't pay for porn. I'm not hurting anybody. What I do on my phone or on my computer is none of your business because I'm not really do. I'm not paying for it. Okay. I myself have justified this as well to my own shame. However, I met Jesus and he's like, no more for you. So we are, we're, we're going we're gonna to play off on this. I'm not hurting anybody thing. I want to connect for you how sex trafficking links with pornography. Pornography is literally like gasoline poured on the fire of trafficking. Each click is the currency of porn. How many of you here have a Facebook account? Almost everybody. How many of you here paid for that Facebook account? Nobody. So then how is Facebook a $479.4 billion company? Supply and demand. Every time you click on something, you're increasing demand. It's the basic laws of supply and demand. Every time you click, you're increasing demand. Therefore, we now have to have supply to meet our demand. Okay? Experts say that 90% of sex trafficking victims have had pornography made of them while they're being trafficked. So what you see is this girl smiling on the other side of that screen. What you don't see is there a gun on the other side of that camera. Whether it's figurative or literal, these girls have to perform because we've increased supply so much. So what we see is a lie. The majority of these women do not want to be there. But we don't see that side. A couple of numbers on the screen. The top one is 68%. To you, it might just be a percentage number. Barna Group did this study funded by Josh McDowell Ministries in 2016 called the Porn Phenomenon. They wanted to see how bad pornography really is in the church. What they found is that 68% of Christian men look at pornography at least once a month. Most pastors that I talk to say that that's low. That other number on the screen says 40%. Experts say that if we can get Christian men, now remember the laws of supply and demand. Experts say that if we can get Christian men to stop looking at porn, we can decrease trafficking and rape by 40%. Oh my goodness. That's big. That's, how, that's, a, that's a way that we can put a dent in this. A massive dent. We're talking about baseline Christianity here. I'm not talking about super stellarness here. I'm talking about just don't look at porn and we can help these women not get raped 10 to 15 times a day. You may be asking yourself, well, well, well easy there, cowboy. What is porn? Right? I don't, I don't look at hardcore porn sites. Well, I think a good definition of porn is this. Anything used to intentionally stimulate sexually for selfish pleasure. It's for ourselves, right? This is for the men, the women, the boys, the girls, sons, daughters. This is for all of us across the board. It could be the music that you're listening to. It could be the movies that you're watching. It could be the magazines that you're looking at, the images and the, and the internet, the time that you spend on the internet. It could be these horrific shows like Game of Thrones. On HBO, you may have heard of it. Pornhub is the largest porn website in the world. Their viewership goes down when Game of Thrones is on. And I know Christians that watch Game of Thrones. 
This should not be. Can we honor God with what we're doing in the living room and on the computer? Looking at porn is basically taking pleasure in unrighteousness, and we're to have nothing to do with it. I'm going to make a simple statement. We either choose Jesus or we choose sin. We choose Jesus or we choose sin. It really is that simple. I, did, I didn't say it was easy. I said it was simple. See, because for those of, here, those of us here that claim to love Jesus Christ, we have what's called the Holy Spirit living in us. And each of us have that split second where the Holy Spirit's like, don't. You know better. And it's not just with porn. Understand, these are all the idols that we have, all the sin that we love. And the Holy Spirit gives us that split second where he says, no. And sometimes we choose Jesus, and sometimes we choose sin. Both have consequences. Let's take a little peek at what Jesus has to say about all this stuff. He's one of my favorites. Paul says this, God's will is for you to be Holy, so stay away from all sexual sin. God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching. You choose sin, you're not disobeying Daniel's teachings. You're not disobeying what I'm saying. You're rejecting the Holy Spirit inside of you. He gives us his Holy Spirit to guide us. He's just as real as you and I sitting here today. So since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. How many of you on this next slide, how many of you even know what this is? There's a younger crowd here, but how many of you, anybody know what this thing is? Okay, cool. We got so, Okay. So I had, one, I had an old F-100. This is almost the exact deck that I had in it. For those of you that don't know, it's a radio. And on the right-hand side is how you tune in. For, if it's, that's how you tune the channel. Now we just dial in what we want, right? So, but what this, the, the analogy I'm trying to put together is, is when you were off-road, you would lose your signal. So then you would get back on the road, and then you'd readjust your, your, your signal so you could hear again and rock out to whatever it is that uh, floats your boat. So what I'm saying with the Holy Spirit is when we're living in sexual sin, when we're pursuing what it is that we want to do, we lose our signal a bit, don't we? It gets a little staticky, and we kind of stay there. And so what God is saying to us today, we need to get back on the road and tune back in to what it is that the Holy Spirit is actually telling us. And that's to love Jesus first and most. But we've got to tune in to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us today. What does Jesus say out of Matthew 5? Jesus says this, You have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Lustful intent. See, Christianity is about intentionally loving Jesus. So if we have intent to go cheat on our wives, to cheat on our God, this is what we're doing. The men of God should have nothing to do with this, and the women of God. Again, this is baseline Christianity saying, I put Jesus first, I will be faithful, I will be obedient. Let's look at what Paul says out of Acts. He says, therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. We do not stay where we are at. If you have been forgiven, you've accepted the love of Christ, we are compelled by the Holy Spirit to pursue him. And we don't need to stay where we're at because the Holy Spirit gives us the freedom that we need. The power of Jesus is there for each of us today, every one of us here. We are called and we are set free by the love of Christ. That's our choice. Okay? 
Who wants to be freed? How many of you live under the guilt and the shame and the condemnation that comes with choosing sin? It's debilitating. I know it is. It keeps you down. It makes you ineffective as a father, as a husband, as a leader, as as a church member. It makes you ineffective. And the enemy's laughing and God's like, come to me. I got you. Come to me. This freedom's waiting for you. Well, what now? What now? Well, Jesus is eternal. He's fulfilling both now, today, and eternal, later. He's both. The enemy offers you deceit, counterfeit, uh, emptiness leading to death. You pick. You want a full life or you want a life filled with guilt and shame? Christ has this for you. Freedom is waiting. See, porn is anti-Jesus. You can't have porn and Jesus. It's an oxymoron. Like he says, have nothing to do, not even a hint of sexual immorality. Just love me. Just love me. Christ is calling us to an intentional lifestyle of holiness. That's what we're supposed to be living. We need to pick a team and we need to fight hard. I believe there's two teams. There's team Jesus and there's team Satan. Who's your coach? Who are you listening to when he says go? Who are you taking your cues from? James says this, confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. Okay, so part, part of this whole process, if you're feeling the tugging of the spirit, there's a confession that has to take place to be healed, to be made whole again. That's to the Lord and to those that we've sinned against. There's repentance, and, and I know, I'm sure you guys know what it means, but it's a, it's a renewing of your mind and a change of direction. So if you're walking this way, living in sin, the Holy Spirit says, I want to renew your mind. I want to make you new and whole. And now you're running this way. We don't stay in the sin. Christ has called us out of that so that we can be saints. And then there's restitution. If at all possible, you make things right for those that you've sinned against. It's not always possible, but when it is, we can make it happen. I've got a question for you. Are you convinced of the resurrecting power of Jesus Christ? 1 Corinthians says this, Paul tells us, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, idolaters, adulterers, or men who practice homosexuality will inherit the kingdom of God. So, so that's over here. And we can't stay there. There's so much more at stake than our shame. There's so much more at stake. It's called eternal life. Paul tells us this out of Romans 8, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. It's in us. We have Jesus. We got the Holy Spirit saying, I got you. That power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is for us. We don't need to stay in our sin. Jesus says this in John, so if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. That's from Christ himself. If you want that freedom, Jesus is waiting for you today. If the Spirit of God is moving in your heart, he's waiting for you today. There will be people here at the end, in the front, in the back, I know, that would love to pray for you. But there is freedom waiting for you in Christ Jesus. So I'm going to close with a little pitch for a men's rally. Men of Dignity is putting on. It's at Hillcrest Chapel in a couple weeks. Um, 
It's gonna be basically this, maybe a little bit more, probably a lot more, if you can believe it. But anyway, uh, it's for the men of God to come together and push each other towards Christ and the freedom that Christ offers us so that we can live effective lives for him and bring all the glory we can to him. Thank you. So if you ever want to, you have a Band-Aid to rip off really quick, Josh will do that. He'll rip it right off. And that's probably what it feels like today. What you're hearing is passion. What you're hearing is a, a life that has been in a place of bondage, in a place of addiction, and has been set free. And when you have been there and you're free, don't you want to share that with everybody? So I appreciate both Josh and Aaron and their calling and their passion and that works. So I, I hope today, as today was different today, that you're, you're challenged in some way. And I think there's a distinction between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation is this. Condemnation says, oh my gosh, I suck. I'm horrible. I'm a pervert. I can't believe what I do. And there's that voice that says, that's right. That's what you do. You're stuck in that. You're not going to get out. You don't deserve to be here. You don't whatever. That is the voice of the enemy, the devil, who wants to come, steal, kill, destroy, and it wants you to listen to that voice. But subtly, there, it, and sometimes it's subtly, there's another voice that's very strong, and that's the voice of the Holy Spirit that teaches us and, and convicts us of what the truth of God is that we heard today, but this is the difference. It provides hope for the way out. It provides an opportunity for you to experience the grace of God. The Bible says this, where sin abounds, grace abounds more. And so if you're in a place when you're just bound up in sin, and specifically the area of addiction of pornography, a habitual sin of pornography, I want to encourage you, men and I think, what is it, 40% of women? Something like that. So women, you're not off the hook as well. Um, we're, we're talking, this is an issue. This is a struggle, a real deal. And you heard it black and white. And I'll joke, no 50 shades of gray here. It is black and white today where we're at and what we're battling with. And yet here's the powerful thing is that God, God has this pathway and it's always always through the cross and what Christ has done and victory over our sin. And as Josh shared, the victory over death, that there's hope in Jesus. We celebrated Resurrection Sunday a few weeks ago, and it's still alive, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us and can help us overcome any sin. And so if you're here this morning, and we touched on it a few weeks ago again, but if you need some help in this area of freedom, there's some resources available in your program today. We put those back in there, some websites you can go to, some a counseling opportunity. And we want you to know, Wednesday evening, every single Wednesday evening at 6.30, we have Celebrate Recovery. And whether it's this particular battle of addiction that you have or any kind of other struggle that you have, it's for those who have habits, hurts, and hangups. And then all of us probably have one of those. 
And so that's a, a wonderful, safe place you could come and just be able to be open and build some trust with a group of people. There's many other opportunities. So please talk to these guys after the service, uh, Joshua and, and Aaron, and specifically with these ministries to get involved. Because I love the, the mission of En Gedi. And I've been to Israel and passed by in the tour bus. There's actually a real place, right? And it's, I, someone pointed it out. Like it's a, and I, when we went by it, it, it has this like bunch of palm trees together. And some of the tour guys said, that's En Gedi. It's a biblical place. And it was like an oasis. And I thought, man, that's exactly what th- this is for these ladies. And what's wonderful about it in the En Gedi refuge is this, is that they have a 95% success rate. 95%. What? Why would we not, why would we not want to partner with success there? Not only you're thinking in Whatcom County, well, some of these ladies are from all over the country that, that come to this to get help or brought in and got help. So it's in, out of Linden, Washington, of all places, God is doing that work. So please, if you ladies specifically like one, we, we want to get involved in helping maybe provide some meals, cooking or cleaning, or just be able to work hands-on with the, the ladies that are part of the program, please talk to Aaron after the service. And then I just challenge you. I really, really challenge you to join me on May 5th. May 5th. People, May 5th, what are people going to be doing? They're going to be drinking tequila on May 5th, the Cinco de Mayo. We're going to be gathering. We're going to be gathering at Hillcrest. So guys, if you're part of a quad, let's get our quad brothers there together and be a part of this uh, on that evening. I, I will look for you there. We'll sit together and be a part of that. But I want our team to come as we pray and as we close today. I want you to take just a, a private moment between you and the Lord in a public place. The, the, the best way to do that is to close your eyes. And so if you just take a, a second here, we want to pray for these ministries. And, but first we want to pray for ourselves. That God would just speak to us today. And again, the distinction between condemnation, the voice of condemnation, and the voice of conviction. The voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to us. And the voice that I want you to tune into, just like the radio, tune into is the voice of the Spirit. This says, come to me. All who are weary laden, I will give you rest. Come to me in your addiction. Come to me in your bondage. Come in your place that are there. And as much as we heard the, the horrors, and we needed to hear it this morning, we needed to hear it this morning. We needed to hear about these women, not only in the United States, but in Cambodia and India, that are, that are raped every single day, 10 to 15 times a day, even more. Those that are literally in bondage today, The reality is, much has to do with us and our issues of being bondage where we're at today. And as we get freed, they get freed. Think about that. Think about that. What God wants to do, where where evil has prevailed. The Bible says that we can overcome evil with good. And we can do that right now in a decision that we make today. Decision to make today. Can you... Believe with me to God. And some of you here today, and it's since the Lord is saying, some of you here feeling today, you're feeling condemned. And what you're saying is you at times have prayed the prayer. You played it, prayed the same prayer a hundred million times, it feels like. You prayed this prayer over and over, free me, free me, free me, Lord. But as Josh shared today, confession starts first with confessing to one another. And today I want to pray for you the opportunity. Maybe you need to, I don't know, maybe you need to go to somebody today. Go to a, a trusted friend. Say, I'm, I'm struggling. I need help. Today, that might be the prayer of courage for you to do that. But it does start with repentance. It starts with, God, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that my sin was affecting lives. I didn't know that my click and what I was doing with my behavior and my own privacy and my own space 
was connected with children and women across the world. Lord, I didn't know that, Lord. Today I do. God, will you use that? Will you make my gut hurt for that? Lord, will you make my heart ache for that? Lord, will you change me from the inside out? That not only I would stop doing what I'm doing, but Lord, I would actually look to do good. So if you're here today, I just want to pray for you. If, you're, if you feel dis, in this conage of conviction, let me pray for you. Lord God, I, I pray for those who are in that place right now. God, I pray that they can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to them to come. To come, lay before your feet once again, once again, surrendering their life at the foot of the cross and saying, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, cleanse me from this sin so that I can be clean and I can be whole and I can be perfect in your eyes. I can, only way, Lord, I can be holy, Lord, is only through the pathway of the cross and only through your grace that makes me holy. There's nothing I can do, whether it's the sin of pornography or the sin of gossip about those who do it. Lord, I am sorry, and I want to come clean. And Lord, I am righteous only through the blood of Christ that cleanses me, that I can be right standing with you, Lord. I ask for your forgiveness, Lord. In Jesus' name. And Lord, I ask for your power. The same power that raised you, Christ from the dead, can be in me and empowering me to go and to live a life of freedom, of holiness. But Lord, live a life of proactivity. God, for those and many of us here, Lord, we're, we're needing, we're challenged by this. No hint of sexual immorality. No, no tainting of anything, Lord. God, we're in a new place, Lord. Then we might enter in a, a greater place of editing our life of saying no quickly and to, to really pursue you, Jesus. Not just to hate sin, but to love you more, Lord. God, I pray that we would be overwhelmed with this, uh, just a desire to love you, Jesus, as we love you, Jesus, with all our heart, with our soul, with all our mind, Lord. We're going to love our neighbor. We're going to love our spouse. We're going to love our kids. We're going to love them so much that we would want nothing to bring harm to them. And Lord, even beyond the people that we know and love, the people that we don't know, we can love. The women that abuse across the world. And God, I just ask for a blessing upon Engedi, Lord. God, thank you for Aaron. Thank you for the work. And Lord, thank you for the partnership that we can have. And Lord, will you just pour out blessing where it just comes over and over and over again so their great work accomplished, not just in Whatcom County, but around the world. God, will you bless Josh, Lord? We bless this, as he's taken out a step of faith, Lord, I pray you bless him as he moves in this ministry, Lord. God, I pray for the rally on the 5th. It would just be an incredible time, Lord. God, that we're not only just saying no to something, but we're saying yes to fight evil, Lord, by doing good. Lord, will you challenge us how to get involved and what we can do, Lord, to give, to go, to pray. We pray this, God. Thank you for a church here that's mature enough to handle it today be able to talk about the tough stuff. But Lord, we don't want to just talk about it. God, will you challenge us to take the next step, whatever that might be, in courage and in faith, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.